are we together again and we do want to celebrate these moments instead of trying to become upset with the fact that we can't meet as um, people of God normally in a gathering where we can see one another and enjoy each other. We do want to celebrate everything we have at our disposal. And this is one of those things that we say, God, we, we do not understand everything, but we're thankful for what we have. And so I'm incredibly thankful and privileged to be able to share with you today. And I trust that in our time of gathering in this way, that God's presence will be more real to you than the face you see or the voices you hear or the notes that you read. So it's a great, great privilege to welcome you, King City Church, friends from all over the world, our friends from Vic Falls. Great to be together. And uh, God, we thank you that we can truly just echo these words of the song that we want to seek you first and seek everything that you have for us. And I pray, Lord, at this time when our hearts are troubled and we are unsure about the future and things are happening around us that we can't explain, I do want to pray that you will help us as your people to seek you first. And Lord, in this time that we're talking about being with you and, and enjoying you and your presence, I pray that seeking first will become a lifestyle, not just a moment for us but something we settle in our lives for the rest of our time here on earth. I trust you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And as we now also just look at your word, I pray for just an inspiration through your spirit to hit our hearts, that we will be able to listen, but hear, and also respond and apply this to our lives, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to also just thank you for in the way in which King City Church has been incredibly faithful in your generosity. We've just noticed that, um, that the income of the church has been steady. And, and during a time where obviously it's, it's quite uncertain, it's remarkable to see your faithfulness and your generosity and your commitment to the Lord in terms of giving of your finances. So well done, King City Church. We do want to encourage you. There's Obviously, there's these practical ways in which we give. It's transfers and it's eco-cash and can't swipe at the moment, but, um, and, and cash is an option. You just make contact with Vanya. Um, that's our finance lady. But just want to honor you for the way in which you've been incredibly generous in giving. So God bless you. Keep it up. In terms of keeping it up, we want to keep up what we started off with last week, and that is just to go back to um, 2 Kings chapter 4 and verses 8 to 10, where we were reading about this incredible man called Elisha that had this wonderful hospitality extended towards him. The Shunammite woman and her husband provided a place for him to come and stay. And we spoke about him being constantly on the, on the, on the road and having to stop at times just to be able to, just to recover and, and to um, be refreshed. And she and her husband made a room available. And so we spoke about being on the road and how important it is to, to make time to be in a room. And, and it's not a physical place, we said. It's more the principle of taking time to be with God and enjoying His presence and, and, and in experiencing what He has for us. So we want to carry on today with just the other items that is mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 to 10, that I believe is very helpful for us just to stop and consider how they can be used in this whole process of being with Jesus. So last week we, we titled our message, A Fundamental for Every Follower. And so we really just want to continue today and move from the road into the room and talk about the bed, talk about the chair, talk about the table, and finally 
the Lamb. And so let's go there and, and discuss these things. And I just want to mention, and, and please note this disclaimer right at the beginning, that I'm not suggesting that these items in the portion that we're going to be looking at and have looked at only mean the following. It's just what I felt that God prompted me to use as a practical means for us to help us being with Jesus. And so we're going to start by looking at these things. And, and probably today we're going to only be able to skim over all four, but in future it may be necessary for us to stop at each one of them and take them one by one and actually get more from it. So because of time, we cannot rush and uh, try to cover everything in detail. We have to rush and cannot cover everything in detail. And so this off, this today, <laughs> we're just going to look at those four and possibly go into more detail in the time to come. So let's start at this one thing that she makes available in the room, and that is a bed. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of bed, um, but to my mind comes the word rest. Um, and, and so, obviously, this man, Elisha, had been traveling around a lot, and, and he needed a place not just to come and, and eat and, and wash and, and sit, but he needed a place to rest. Now, I find it quite amazing, it's almost profound, that a simple item or object like this would be put into the Bible for us to grab hold of a truth that somehow, I think, is being lost. The concept, the principle of rest. Now, if you look at the Bible, it's, it's probably one of the first things that Jesus, well not Jesus, but God the Father, rather instructed us to have. He created the whole world in six days. And then after the six days, he said, well, tomorrow you're going to rest. <laughs> it's kind of like Adam and Eve is like, oh, well, we haven't done anything yet. We just got created. He said, no, no, do you know what? I want you to understand is that rest is good for you because you, you need to rest for what's coming. And I think sometimes we underestimate the value of rest. Maybe some of you now after six weeks of being at home is getting fed up with rest. <laughs> You're kind of like, I don't want more of this stuff. I've had enough. But God wants us to understand that there's something about rest that is not just a, a thing for a moment, but it's a lifestyle of rest that we need to have. The reality is that we will always need rest. And specifically two types of rest. We need physical rest uh -huh, and we need spiritual rest. And I think we don't give attention to both enough. My objective tonight, today <laughs> is really is to give you, a, 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 to kind of um, enthuse you to rest more spiritually as well. So God institutes this, this physical rest for us in Genesis. And then Jesus comes and he, and he talks to us in, in Matthew 11, verse 28. And he says, come to me. All you are heavy laden and burdened and I will give you rest. So he's not just saying, I'm going to take you to a lodge and you know, put you there for a couple of weeks. And now that's going to be a rest. No, he's talking about a rest in our relationship with him. Knowing more about him and, and enjoying him. But, but it's kind of like... Weird for us in 2020, isn't it? Well, it's not been in a certain way because there's, there's a lot of rest happening around us. And I think we get frustrated with rest because it feels like we are so, in a sense, um, inactive and, and in, unproductive and we're not doing anything. But in the book of God, in the way that he looks at things, rest is a very helpful tool. So we need to start embracing rest. Rest practically. I want to just encourage you, is firstly starting off to know that you and I have limitations. 
And we've got to live within those limitations. We have physical limitations. We just can't go without sleep indefinitely. You've got to rest. Uh, people say you know, seven to eight hours is good per night. But I don't know if everybody does that. But the point is, we all need rest. We've got to slow down. And when we slow down and we take time to rest, physically even, we should never feel guilty about it. Because that's the way God's created us. He created us in a, in a way that we cannot just manage and function like a, like a, a machine constantly gearing up and, and running at high levels. We've got to find and make time to rest. And in that, I think we've got to be humble enough that we need rest. That we are human beings. That we just cannot carry on. There's this incredible thing that, that God instituted right there in the beginning of creation. And he didn't term it at that, but we know that today it's called Sabbath. Sabbath really is a time where we rest from general things. And, and for many people it may be a different day. For one, as a pastor, I can never really rest on a Sunday because Sunday is a big working day for us. But we do try to make a time where we take a 24-hour period and say, I'm going to just distance myself from normal practicalities and normal practices and rest and never feel guilty about it. We have this Elijah, credible man that's, that's introduced to a room with a bed in it that speaks of Elijah, you need rest. You need to come and sit. You need to come and just stop. You need to come and rest. You need to come and delight. You need to come and contemplate. And you need to come and slow down. And so, I don't know how that will work for you. But again, we're talking about the principle that God says, it is important for you to rest. And so we will continue to talk about this. Because we want to encourage all of us to change and make changes where changes are necessary in this regard. It's not something that the whole world out there, and even in church, we, we celebrate. It's like, let's rest, guys. No, no, we can't rest. We, we celebrate being busy. So how are you doing? I'm busy. Oh, that's great. How are you doing? I've been resting. What? What's wrong with you? You can't be resting the whole time. And I know that we can't be resting the whole time. But we've got to encourage each other towards a proper rest regularly. The thing that we then find as we continue to look around in this room, we've seen the bed, now we see, ah, there's a chair. And may I just suggest to you that for me in this context of where we are and what we're talking about as a church, I want to associate this word or this item chair to the word invitation. I'll explain. I'm praying about this. I, I had this image flash through my mind of an event with a number of seats or chairs being prepared. And obviously being prepared for people. And with many events that we often are in, invited to, you often have a place prepared just for you. You have your name connected to that place, that seat. And then you receive an invitation to come and occupy the place allocated for you. Imagine the disappointment of, of places allocated to people at an event, in a room, or in a place who never arrive. And you can see that when you have been to some of these events, particularly wedding events. <laughs> and in our culture, it works like this. Um, I know that in many cultures it's different, but in my culture, it works like this. That you, get, you only go to, an in, to a wedding when you're invited for one. 
I love the African way of doing things, that everybody's invited. And there's no seat allocation. But in our culture, it works like this. You go to a wedding, and there's a seat just for you at the table. And um, when you get there, you, you look on the, this, this, this kind of like an a, a easel with all the names of the people and the invited guests on, and you try to find where your table is. And imagine the, the disappointment and perhaps the embarrassment if your name is not on the list. It's like, <laughs> anyway, then once, once you've found your place, you make your way towards that table to go and sit there because that's where you're supposed to sit. And often you would find that at a wedding at such a time that you would look around and you would find these open spots. Most probably due to the fact that those people that were invited didn't come. <laughs> now, I want to tell you a story of, of our lives. My wife and I, we got invited to a wedding. And um, it was a weird time. It was Friday evening at 6 o'clock. Now, nobody gets married on Friday evenings, not generally, but this one wedding was like that. And so we put it in our diary. It's obviously way ahead of time that you get this invitation and you put it in your diary that you would obviously not try to remember. And I, I made a mistake of putting the wrong time in. I think it was supposed to be five, I put in six. So Friday comes and we know that there's a wedding around, you know, and we start preparing and just about the time that we're about to leave for the wedding, which is about a half an hour's drive away, I just quickly glance through the invitation card <laughs> to just confirm the venue and stuff. <gasps> oh my goodness, it started already! So needless to say, we rush our way there and... Um, and in this particular context, uh, the um, meeting or the service was held, uh, the official side of it was generally it's done that way, where that was done first, then afterwards the reception. And so as we arrived, they finished with the, um, the official side of things. A wonderful service was done and, and all the rest. And we just kind of like sneaked into the, to the wedding hall where the reception was going to be held. And praise the Lord, our invitation was still there and we had our seats allocated. But we felt so bad because people could see that we kind of just came for the food. <laughs> the point is this, it is so embarrassing if you miss out on an invitation that somebody had made because they interested in you. They wanted you to celebrate and enjoy something with them, experience it. And uh, for us, it was quite embarrassing being late. And I often think of how, how sad it must be for people that do invite others and those that they invite never come. There's a story of that in Luke chapter 14, where Jesus shares this parable or story of a man who wanted to have a great banquet and he invited his friends. You could read from um, Luke 14, verses 16 to 24 about it, that he invited um, a number of friends, but they all had excuses, and we don't have time to go into that. They all said, I can't. He wanted them there. And I sense that as I look at this chair in this room, that for me, it portrays the Father's invitation for us to come and be with him. It's like Jesus is saying, I want you to come. I'm giving you an invitation. And we, we find in Scripture, and particularly in the Gospels, how often Jesus would invite people. And he made a point of saying, come. Come with me. Come to me. And he shares stories like the one I just mentioned of how important it is for, him to, for us to know that you and I are invited. And so there's this chair with your name on. It's not a physical chair. 
It's the principle of Jesus saying, come and be with me. And this is probably one of the most ignored invitations in the world today. You get invitations to go and visit places and see important people and, and make a big fuss about it. Oh, do you know that so-and-so invited? Oh, I'm going to be there. But do you know, my friend, that there's an invitation, that there's a chair in this room. We know it's not a physical room. We know it's not a physical chair. But the principle of Jesus inviting you and me to come and sit. And then we see that the next item actually says he wants us to come and sit at some place to enjoy it. But I may just want to help you understand what it means to come and respond to, to this invitation. When you come and, and, and be with him, it's like we are invited to a wedding. We don't go there for our own agenda. We go there because somebody else wants us there, but they want us to experience something. And, and in, in responding to this invitation of Jesus, I want to say just a few things. It's important that we stop that we respond to this invitation and it involves a willingness to be engaged with what they are doing and changing our program for that moment. So when Jesus says, come, there's an invitation, then let's, we, our response should be, let me stop with what, all that I'm busy with, all that my mind is filled with and attend to what he wants to say. We need to focus. We need to respond to someone's invitation. To, it, it means to give ourselves for that moment and what that moment is all about. That's really when we, Turn the cell phone off, practically, yeah, but also just my thoughts are wandering all over. And I stop to focus on him. That's what the chair is about. It's also being quiet. Like, I'm not going to talk to you know, everybody around me. I did not come to do something when I came to the chair to be with him. I came to just behold him and consider him. We do not come for ourselves, but we come for the one who has invited us. I think it's often where we could miss it, that this invitation is there and I go for myself and I've got my list. It's like, excuse me, thank you, Jesus. I'm here at the chair. Now can I just <laughs> submit my list? Jesus is like, hey, I want you to experience me. And I want you to, through that, realize how much I love you. And through that, I want to guide you and speak to you and, and yeah, help you with stuff. But you've come for me, not for yourself. Another thing that we do is we come to sit as we reflect. We, not, we do not come to think about our agenda, but because we are invited, we, become, we go for his agenda. We respond to what he has to say. We come for the one hosting us, desiring to talk to us. Imagine I go to a wedding, and I'm like, hey, can I just say a few things here? <laughs> no, no, this is not my moment. It's their moment, and I come to celebrate that with them. And Jesus invites me, come sit on the chair, he said, I've got an agenda, and you're my agenda. I'm going to speak to you. And I think we've got to, at times, just shift our, move our agenda aside and say, what do you want to say? And then, finally, out of this chair moment, I think it's important for us as we respond to this invitation to enjoy. We come to enjoy him. We sit with him and partake of his grace and his love and his wisdom and his insight. I mean, imagine a wedding where everybody's sad. We've all come. We've driven long distances, and we all sit there sadly. Yeah, it's great. They're getting married. <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh, lovely food. So great. Wonderful music too. But this is a sad moment, folks. No, we don't. We enjoy those moments. And I do believe that when Jesus says, come and feast with me, it's kind of like a wedding moment 
where we celebrate and enjoy what he has for us. And so then we find that in this room, not only is there a bed, there's a chair, but there's also a table. Now the table for me, again, the word that comes up in my mind is closeness. Not that it's not a desk, it's a table. I think we do certain things at a desk and other things we do at a table. Desk is more formal, table is more informal, isn't it? And so for me, the desk is a place of function, table is a place of fellowship, hence closeness. So Jesus invites us to come and sit and, and, and he says there's a table that I want you to enjoy in front of you. And I can imagine, perhaps, this is just my imagination, Elisha was, was now traveling on the road and he comes into the room and there's a bed and he can rest, there's a chair, he can sit, and there's a table, then possibly this woman would have prepared a meal for him and he could go and enjoy the meal at the table. I just enjoy the lavish grace of a woman that, that cares about him and a husband and they're interested in his life and they provide food for him. And immediately it makes me think that God prepares a table for us to enjoy him. But again, we don't rest enough. We don't sit down. We don't respond to the invitation and we don't partake of this incredible meal that he has for us. And so this table makes me think of what David writes in Psalm 23, isn't it? Where he says, in the midst of my enemies... God prepares a table for me. He doesn't prepare a desk that I can go and sit down and write stuff. <laughs> he says, I prepare a table for you to come and enjoy what I have for you and who I am. And I, I do think that at this time that we're in, we're in the midst of stuff. There's enemies around <laughs> us. And the biggest enemy is fear. It's not the virus. It's fear. And I, I think that the, the thing that we need to understand is that this fear wants to kill, steal, and destroy us. Now God says, I prepared a table for you. I'm inviting you to come and sit. There's this room experience that I have for you and with you. And all I want you to do is say, yes, I'm coming. I'm making time for it. I'm not trying to find time. I'm making time. And so we then come and we sit and we see this table. And the table and the food on top of the table is not necessarily sadza and yama. <laughs> It's maybe something much more nourishing. And that's the spiritual stuff that you and I need to live from. And that we cannot survive without. So as much as we need to help one another with food, and, and there's a desperate cry currently in the nation, and I know about people being in need. I speak to my pastor friends in the rural areas. I spoke to one this morning at a place called Mahue, just north of Harare, um, and just just the, the, the terrible times that they're facing with lack of food and all those things. And so that's incredibly important for us to be able to help one another. But the greatest nourishment that we need to help one another towards is this table that the Father prepares for us, where we come in and we sit and we partake of what He has for us. The table is a place where God wants to talk to us. It's not a place of function. It's a place of fellowship. A table is a place of being intimate with God and hearing from Him. Table is a place where we, where we just enjoy. There's no, there's no agenda. You don't go to somebody's table and, and work through an agenda and say, okay, we're here for the meal. What is the first thing that we need to discuss? 
No, it's informal. It's just we talk, we listen, we enjoy. I do think that it's something that we need to really seriously consider. It's time to just enjoy God. It's a time of talking to Him. It's a time of writing down what we feel He's saying to us. Time of journaling. It's a time of worship. Just simply putting music on. Saying, yeah, right at the table. I'm just going to enjoy my God. I'm going to worship Him. Just so simple. It's a time of contemplation. I just had to go and read what it actually means to contemplate. And it's this. It's the action of looking thoughtfully at something for a long time. How's that? So contemplating God and sitting at the table and contemplating His goodness is not just, oh, that's great. Let me quickly read one verse and then I can move on to the next thing that I need to do in the road or wherever it may be. Now contemplation means that I'm serious about taking time to consider God, to consider Scripture, to read it, to receive. The last item in the room is the lap, which in a sense speaks for itself. Hey? <laughs> we, we, my, my thought that came up uh, in terms of this lamp is the word illumination or enlightenment. And, and the lamp or candle was given to Elisha to help him find, obviously, to help him find his way around the room and to help him function better when it was dark. I mean, it's no good that you have this wonderful room at your disposal and you don't know where the bed is, where the table is, where the chair is, where the windows are, whatever. It's just helpful to have some sort of a candle, a lamp, to, to direct yourself around the room. And I think that we have an incredible lamp in our lives that can direct us where we need to go. The Webster Dictionary defines a lamp as the following. Something that makes vision possible. In a natural sense, we cannot see in the dark without light. Mm -hmm. You all agree? In a spiritual sense, we cannot know God without light. And light in a spiritual sense is the Word of God. Because light, as we study and as we consider the Word of God, it brings vision into our lives. And without vision, the Bible says we perish, isn't it? Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, without vision, my people do not know where to go. They, they do not know what to do. And so we need light because light reveals and exposes. We appreciate something more in bright light. So often, isn't it true that you look at something and, and you're like, well, that's great. But when you take it out into bright light or you shine on it, man, something comes alive because you see its true value. And I think as we read the word, it is a light that penetrates our hearts. And this light shines mainly on who God is. And he becomes more valuable to us as we look at the light of his word. I think if you close this and you want to see God, it's going to be a pretty grim picture sometimes. Because the word reveals him. And what the word also does, it helps us understand who we are. Because the Word speaks about you and I. And so go and find your identity in the Word. It brings light to who you are. It brings light to your purpose. It brings light to your future as you study the Word. It's the light in this room that God has given us. And so God's Word is this light and lamb for us. 
It not only exposes us to who He is, listen to this, it also reveals who we are and what He has called us to and even how we can miss what He has for our lives, the Word. What the light also does, it can show out stains and reveal stains and clothes, isn't it? <laughs> if you wear something in the dark, you don't see the dirt, but when you bring it out into the light, you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's full of stains. I shouldn't have worn this. And I think that's what the light of the Word does. It can help us to see what maybe has gone wrong. And so when we don't expose ourselves to this, we're like, hey, I'm fine. Hey, don't tell me what's wrong in my life. I'm okay. No, we get to the Word and it helps us. We need to help each other practically with this. And I'd love for us over the next couple of weeks even to dive more and more into this. In particularly helping one another go through the Word. Because I've heard so many people say, yeah, the Word is... It's wonderful, the Bible is great, but I don't know where to start. I don't know where to read. I, I don't know. It doesn't always make sense. And so I think it's important that we take time to just afford each other the opportunity to read the Word and go through it perhaps more practically and some, do simple stuff. Just read slowly. <laughs> Not in the sense of blow a trumpet. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you read, just don't rush through it because your, your Bible program for the day says you've got to finish 50 verses today and you've gone through it and you have no idea what you just read. I'm talking about going slow in the sense of making sure that you understand what you're reading because what we're after is not information gathered. We are after transformation of the lives of those who spend time on the seat at the table under the lamp of God's word, to be transformed by it. That's what we're after. And so, go slow. Start at a particular book and go slow. Make notes as you go and read. Ask questions and take time. This is a simple method that I want to leave you with that, um, that often can help us just when we read the Bible, just to not only help us to go slow, but to help us to get to the place of transformation. Because we ultimately want to become more like Jesus. We don't want to walk around like we know everything of the Bible, but there's nothing of Jesus formed in me. <laughs> that doesn't help a bit. A lot of people know everything about the Bible, but you look at them like, oh, where's Jesus in that guy's life? I'm like, No, that's what we're after. And so just three things that I want to give you. Just three words. Me, apply, and God. So it's me, apply, and God. So when you look at Scripture, whatever portion of Scripture you're reading through, and, and it could be just reading from the start of Mark to the end of Mark. But as you read that particular portion of Scripture for the day, maybe it's two verses, maybe it's five, just ask these questions related to the word me, apply, and God. First of all, when we, when we look at the word me, then you do the following. Write or retell the Scripture. Verse by verse in your own words to bring across what you understand from the passage. So that's the me part. Okay, I'm going to read this. Let me just rewrite it and try to write down what I understand about this passage. Then the second thing about apply is this. You look for actions, commands, or examples from that portion of Scripture that you've just read that you can apply or obey in your own life. So you keep it practical and measurable. So you've read through something, you've done your own wording on it, and then you look at it and say, what can I apply from you? What are actions, commands, or examples in that portion that are relevant for me that I need to look at to apply in my life and to obey? That's the practical thing that comes in. The last thing that you do is the God part. Me, apply God. Where you say, from this particular portion, 
What new discoveries are there for me about God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit? I want to learn more about them from this particular portion. And so you write that down and, and you consider it. And you've maybe read through five to ten verses, but you've seen just a little bit about what you understand from it. You've seen what you ought to apply, and you can learn more about God from it. And like, oh, that's a great experience. And we're sitting under the light, and we're seeing God change our lives. I want to conclude. We're in the room. There's a bed. It's there for rest. There's a chair. It's an invitation to come. There's a table, a place for enjoying fellowship with the Father. There's a lamp that will shine into our lives, the Word of God. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to really take each one of these items and just see how much more we can learn from it. But today, as you watch this, as you listen to this, as you read these notes, I want to pray for something. I want to pray for each one of us that are sitting, listening, watching. I want to pray that none of us, you would feel in any way condemned about anything of the past where you may not have done any of this kind, where you've not entered into a time with God where you kind of just ignored it. I want you to respond to the invitation rather to the condemnation that will come from the enemy because he would like for you to feel bad and guilty. You're not doing this good enough. You're not good enough at it. You're not doing it regularly enough. I want to pray that God will just minister to your heart and that the thing that will ring in your ear, ear and, and in your heart is more invitation than condemnation. Just respond to invitation. I want to pray for that. I want to pray for people that need to make adjustments to rest. I think many people are running around hectically. And you may not be incredibly busy, but you're not resting. So I want to pray that you will have the discernment in your life, sir, ma'am, young person, to know where you need to slow down to rest. There's a bed, and it speaks of rest. I want to pray for people to respond to this invitation. Hey, you've been given a card. It's the Word of God. That's your invitation card to come to the, to the chair and sit. I want to pray that we will come and sit, as David says, in the presence of our enemies and enjoy the feast, the lavish grace of God that has been put out there for me to enjoy. I want to pray that people will see that, that you will enjoy it. I want to pray that we will take it serious to consider the word and make time for it and enjoy it and that we will grow from it and that it will not become a chore but it'll become a joy to say, I've got time, whether it's 10 or an hour, minutes or whatever, but that you will take, make time and enjoy just studying. And, and even if you use practical methods like I suggest, and there are many others, but that you will enjoy your time in the Word and that will transform you. So let's pray together, could we? Father, I thank you that in this way, your Spirit is incredibly capable of ministering to the hearts of people, even as they watch and listen and read this. I want to thank you, God, that, that there's a loving invitation from heaven towards people, towards all of us. Now pray, Father, that we will hear the invitation louder than the condemnation. And that today, Lord God, as people um, enjoy this moment around this word that they will hear the invitation more than condemnation. I want to pray, Father, that there will be in, in this group of people watching this, that there will be a, a, a 
a response, Lord God, to make adjustments where rest need to become part of their lives. That where people are, are required, Lord God, they recognize as they listen to this that they need to rest more. I pray that they will see it as a godly, godly practice. And not just something that is a good idea, but God, you instituted it for us because we, we're not God. We get tired and we need to rest. I pray, Father, that people will hear the invitation to come and sit at the chair. I pray, Father, that people will see the table in front of them and, and it's an invitation to come to fellowship with you. And that I pray, Lord God, that we will be able to help one another practically what that means. But today I pray that there will be a, in the hearts of the people and their spirits a recognition for the Father is inviting me to a table to come and to feast with him. And I pray, Lord, that there will be a longing in people's heart to enjoy that and make time for it. And that finally, Father, that the Word of God will become so real in our lives. That being with Jesus means being in the Word. That we will, Lord God, be disciplined with this. That, Father, even sometimes when it doesn't make sense, that we won't give up and throw the baby out with the bathwater. But we will say, I need to stop. I need to take time in the Word. And I need to go slow because we want to be transformed into your likeness. Father, I pray for that. Pray your grace upon your people. I pray for safety upon, Lord God, your people, that we will stay healthy, that we will stay strong. And I pray, God, that we will understand that at this time we have a, a godly mandate, and that is to reach out to people around us and to help them see that there's a God who loves them very much. God, help us with that, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for taking time out. God bless you. Enjoy time with your family, friends, and uh, we trust to see you guys again soon. Have a good day.